Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. I'm your guest, Rashonda Norton. I am super excited to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Missy Potter. She is the director of the Boys and Girls Club of Austin. So she is doing major work um, for the girls and the boys in general, but especially right now during the COVID pandemic, and we're going to talk on that topic. Before we go into that, I'm going to throw out some of my play to win um, pieces. And remember, my play to win pieces are ways that we can learn how to make nutritional, healthy nutritional choices. That's more so about our mindset that would allow us to make those steps out of self-care and self-love. So we're going to begin talking in about five minutes about what is going to be some easy first steps when it comes to our health and nutrition that we can start and keep steady. I want to emphasize the start and keep steady part because a lot of times we start, but the steady is the tricky part. We can never find it that it's easy to kind of maintain and keep that going. So again, when you're trying to make those healthy choices, are you telling yourself, I'm going to start on Monday or start at the beginning of the month? You have this list of things that you want to do. And sometimes the list is long. Anytime you come find yourself with a long list, you sometimes don't follow many of them because it's overwhelming. So that's what I'm going to give you three easy first step things, first step things to do. Number one, before you take any action, you got to think about how, how are you talking to yourself? What are you saying to yourself? Are you talking to yourself out of love or out of fear? And so when you're making conversations with yourself and you're deciding to have certain foods, we can't say, or you, you're not worth it and you shouldn't have this, or if you keep doing this, you're never going to get better. We got to start changing that language. And we got to start changing how we speak to ourselves. We start start building ourselves internally and choosing to have food because I want what's best for me. Or feeling and knowing that you deserve the best. You deserve to take out that extra 30 minutes in the morning and go for a walk. You deserve to perhaps buy some of your foods from the grocery store and make your meals at home rather than deciding you need to go out and eat all the time. Because when you start thinking about what you want best for yourself, you're going to start taking actions that, guess what, best for yourself. So let's start establishing that positive self-talk first. And then number two, focus on just one thing. I emphasize that one thing because many times when we're seeing a list of different things to do, it's hard to focus on one, even just one or two things. So just narrow things down and focus on one thing you want to start and keep steady. Remember, the steady part is even more important than the starting part. So let's say, for example, when you're thinking about you want to incorporate more water in your day, start with having water with every breakfast for the next 10 days. Then duplicate that to the next 30 days. Then duplicate that to the next three months. The point is that you want to keep something steady because you're starting it and you want to keep it steady because you want to turn this into a lifestyle, right? So start with just having, a, you know, making sure you're drinking water every morning with your breakfast. Easy peasy. And then the next thing you can do is promise, you know, start with, I'm going to start walking three times a week. You got seven days out of the week and you can just pick three. They don't have to be the same day. They can be just three days out of the week. But just start with that and say, no matter what, no matter what happens in next week, I'm going to get three days walking in 30 minutes. Keep the walking in the water steady, and then you're going to find yourself being able to start building new healthy habits on top of that. And the last one, be okay with joining the 85% club. I call it the 85% club because we're always taught that in order to be successful, you have to be 100%. Um, we're human, and you shouldn't put that type of pressure on yourself, especially if you're starting something new you're not familiar with, and you're just kind of learning how to kind of get your flow, get, get up under your feet. 
So don't put pressure on yourself to feel like you have to have the perfect foods every day. Give yourself a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of a breather and balance and incorporate the 85% club, 85% um, way of eating. 85% means you're giving yourself a good B plus every day. You keep adding a bunch of B pluses, you have a good average of a B plus versus feeling like you're gonna be 100% Monday and then on Wednesday it drops to 50% and then Saturday kind of goes down to 10%, but then you fluctuate, so you're fluctuating. It's about being steady. So find yourself being okay with being in the 85% club. And that way you're learning how to keep something steady and you don't feel overwhelmed. So think about those three different steps. Start incorporating in your life in your way and learn how to be successful in your life when it comes to your nutrition and your health. So we're going to jump into this conversation with Misty. Uh, and one last thing before I jump into I want to introduce you to a company um, because right now it is great timing because guess what? We've all been home for at least the last five months uh, and many of us wish that we kind of can have a garden um, and grow some fresh, fresh delish, delicious vegetables. Right now you have the time, but you may not have the skill set. Um, but ultimately when you think about I want to start a garden, it's a kind of a big endeavor. So it's a huge effort. That means bringing in good soil, figuring out where vegetables can thrive setting up some sort of irrigation system um, so they won't die when you're out of town or when you're away. Um, or even come up with a plan of what to plant and when. And guess what, again, too much, too much going on, it's overwhelming. Well, there's a company called Custom Foodscaping. Um, and what they do is that they help create a beautiful garden setup and they help to support you along the way to ensure that you find success in your garden. They do this by providing consultation, design, and even installation services to realize that your edible landscaping, whether it's farm or garden um, or any of your pre um, permaculture goals, custom foodscaping transforms ordinary spaces into beautiful food producing landscapes. Go to their website, learn about their services, and call them up and really see how you can turn your garden into something that's edible. Hello to another episode of the Dietitian Against Diets podcast. This is your host, Rashonda Thornton. I can't wait to introduce you to this lady. Uh, we've actually been on, we met each other about a month ago and she was on a previous panel, but we had such good conversation behind the scenes. I said, we got to bring on her for a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> conversation. So her name is Misty Potter. I'll give you a little quick synopsis of who she is and what she's been doing over the years. Uh, she is the CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Austin area. Um, where she oversees over 32 clubs and outreach programs serving over 16,000 kids each year. Right now, that may not be the same, but that's typically what the boys and girls, the capacity in which the boys and girls club can really um, serve the, the youth. Um, she also, um, even just before having this position as a CEO, uh, she's been a part of nonprofit organizations for over 24 years. Um, she's had her hands in the Boys and Girls Club prior to being the CEO, where she has uh, been a past president of the National Professionals Association for the Boys and Girls Club professionals. And she's a member of the Boys and Girls Clubs of America Presid President Advisory Committee and a 2025 Strate Strategic Planning Committee. Uh, so if that doesn't tell you that she is all <laughs> in, I don't know what else I could tell you. Uh, so I want to say, uh, Missy, just first of all, thank you for taking out the time. Well, welcome to yeah. um, being on the podcast show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited after the last one. That was so much fun. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for today. Thanks. Good, good. And when I start reading your bio, I'm like, oh my goodness. Because you know, sometimes, you know, when you see the CEO of a particular company, 
you don't you don't know the layers underneath that. And when I saw the layers of commitment you've put into this program and this organization, I mean, that just shows me that it's more to it than just the title of being the CEO. You are all hands on deck with this. And, and it's good. It's great to, have, um, to meet people that have really put their life into organizations such as this. Thank you. Now, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones that I tell people I cheated my way kind of through everything because uh, I wake up and I love what I do. So it's not like I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where when you, when you literally find a career that you wake up in the mornings and you, you get to go to work, that's a big mm-hmm. difference than having to go to work. Um, truly so believe. yeah, it's a, it's been a great, great journey. It really has been. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great feeling to wake up and look forward to the day that you're putting in most of your hours being awake and doing it repeatedly. And just even, it's not even, it's about the back end of it. Cause just, you see all the success of it, but the fact you just love being, being in it, not just on, yeah. on, in front of it, but being in it. And it shows me your work, uh, your work resume has shown me that you have been in it for a long time. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. You know I tell people I started when I was 10. So really well i was gonna well, actually yeah, if you add 25 years to that it makes me sound old Rashonda. so we got oh there you, you know, go yeah <laughs> <that age. laughs> and i was gonna actually for like being um just being just in so many pieces in regards to the thread of the boys and girls club since you've been um just been in, as far as your career like um what like what is it that just initially like what was it about the boys and girls club that you saw that you felt like this is the place where i can just see myself in for long term you know so again it was 20 gosh 20 almost 23 years ago um and i went to work for the united way first and i was still in college and uh after that stint the boys and girls clubs was one of our agencies and we had a chance to do some work with them Mm -hmm. um as an agency and it was just but one of those kind of vibes that you get where you see what's happening with the kids and the lives and the impact of the organization. And, um, you know, I kind of took that leap of faith many years ago. And, and as they say, drank the Kool-Aid and the rest is history. I mean, I just, uh, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the mission, but I fell in love with more of what we get a chance to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really, it is about the here and now, but it really is what else can we accomplish, right? And so that's uh that's really what sold me on the organization was watching these kids go through the program and uh, many of them overcame a lot of challenges and became incredibly successful you know, adults, which has been really, it's been a lot of fun to watch and transition through. Yeah, from beginning to end. And mm-hmm. when you and I had our conversation prior to this, like I just, I'm a parent, you know, and I, but I learned so much about the different things that the boys and girls provide to the youth and not just in one stage of their life, but the entire stage of life and past, you know, when they're graduated from the boys and the girls club, Mm -hmm. you know, when I think of the boys and girls club, just before I met you, and this is just being as real as possible, I thought it was like a YMCA club or like, like a daycare center that just kind of had different levels of like programming for different kids. But I never knew, like if I hear, you know, a lot of celebrities, a lot of people that say they, they were part of the boys and girls club growing up, you know? So I think there, there's a lot of people that really doesn't know, don't know what, how the boys and girls club stand out from some of these other programs. Not saying they're better than them, but it's what is it that's different about them that have made the boys and girls so successful for their students. Their well, I think what sets us apart is, you know, and to your point, a lot of times we're seen as a swim and gym um, before we get a chance to, or before people actually get in the 
the building and they walk through and they see what we do for the kids. Um, I think the difference is honestly, is that we try to get kids as kindergartners and the idea is that you keep them through their senior year of high school. So if you can keep that continuum of care going with a, a young person, that's pretty powerful. And, yeah. you know, so they constantly have that place that's home to them. So um, I apologize. My dogs are in the background and they're acting like toddlers and they're fighting right now. Um, so you honest. may hear them from time to time and I apologize. What are their names? Put a, let's, let's, know, let's learn about them. What are their names? Right, Dakota and Blaze. And they're about to both get yelled at like children. So we don't do time out in this family um, very well with the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's the difference, honestly. And that's, that, that's what sets us apart. Um, and like I said, it's not better or, or worse. It's because it truly takes all out-of-school time programs to meet the needs of kids. You know, we have 105,000 um, children living in our MSA area who would benefit from an after-school program. And collectively, we're all serving around 50,000 of them. So there's this okay. huge opportunity gap that's missing, right? So it, it takes all of us. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you said the swimming gym, that's kind of the, the, the overarching, you know, perspective for some people. Um, like, what are, what are some, like, prominent programs that you guys have just found that had just taken the rain and just really have, you have seen a lot of success in the, in the, in the kids? Yeah, so we focus in, in some pretty strategic areas. So academic success based on STEM-related programs and activities for kids, um, the arts we have a very robust arts program um, that is actually funded by the Wallace Foundation that teaches uh, everything from music recording to cutting your own music to doing what you're doing and podcasts and mm -hmm. teaching kids really how to take that passion and move it into more of an entrepreneurial spirit. And how can you make a living out of doing your passion? Um, we have our, our healthy, healthy habits programs. I mean, we do everything from um, nutrition classes with kids to teaching drivers ed to teenagers now. So it's really taking um, the interest of the kids. We do a lot of needs-based and interest surveys from the kids. Okay. And then we start molding our programs around what their interests are, uh, more so than uh, just a bunch of adults telling kids what to do. We let the kids lead us in how we program, and then we develop our curriculum based on those interest areas, but we also do something a little different here and we, it's peaks align. So it's Texas Essential Skills and Knowledge. Um, so it's everything our school districts do. Okay. And so we align all of our curriculum to those classes. And so kids are literally getting, um, they're getting meaningful yeah. curriculum here at the club. In addition to, I always joke and I say, we kind of train them or teach them in the learning. Um, so we do high yield learning activities where they may they may play a game of pool, but they have to answer a math question to keep the, the ball in the pocket, yeah. you know, or okay. the, the geometry or, you know, there's just different ways to, to really engage a youth and in, in make sure that they're learning. And that's, I'm really glad you said that because that was one of my questions about the curriculum and like, you know, mm -hmm. is it, how enriching is it to the child in respect to their grade or, you know, their level of education? And again, it's not like an after school program. We just play games and we interact right. and we do like everyone in there, you know, you have a maybe a eight-year age range, they're all doing similar things. You actually kind of have more designated curriculums and activities that you do that aligns with that child and where they're at in their educational journey, I would say. And yeah, we do. So Absolutely. So we have kids ages, actually age five to 18 now, because a lot of our schools are doing pre-K. Okay. Yeah. And so we've stepped in to fill that out of school time gap for the pre-Kers also. 
but everything we do is age appropriate. And so we break up our kids into their age groups um, and then they may go through, you know, even our, even as go back into our, um, our prevention programs through smart girls and passport to manhood, those are age appropriate. So um, for our younger kids, it may be our young, for, let's take the girls curriculum, for instance, um, in junior high, it may focus more on body image mm -hmm. and, um, you know, loving yourself and feeling good inside your own skin. And then we transition that once they get into high school to more of the dating do's and don'ts and appropriateness and, um, you know, how, how should you behave in certain situations and what's, what's okay and what's not okay um, when you start in the dating world. So those conversations get real with our girls and our boys. And the, the cool thing about a Boys and Girls Club is that we do have a little more latitude with our kids. So we can have those tough conversations with kids that our school districts necessarily can't and our teachers can't. So yes. uh, we get a chance to, to have a really tough conversations that make a real difference. I mean, it sounds like to me that you guys go deeper because you have that love. Because if you've been in a child's life, let's say since pre-K and it's, yeah. you're constant in their life and in their parents' life, you have just been a part of, you've just been in connecting peace. And so being able to kind of have those conversations, have those, um, I guess, uh, curriculums that maybe go a little bit deeper than just kind of a, a school um, related session. You know, you mm -hmm. have those real conversations. And I mean, again, it's, it, it's not, it's not now that I'm learning more and I'm sure, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only one. I'm not sure a lot of people know what the boys and girls clubs are, but like for those who don't, like I didn't know that you guys had programs like that. Yeah, and I think that's so vital. Um, I'm a part of this organization. It's a nonprofit organization. It's built around girls and knowledge and preteen girls. And you, thus, I actually am a body image speaker. Um, mm -hmm. So we we hit on those different parts of their lives. And, you know, I knew that. Did, oh, <laughs> are you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I recognize how important it has created a foundation for them, you know, even as a place, a safe space for them to talk and to know mm -hmm. that. Um, the Boys and Girls Club provide this type of programming. I mean, I'm sure parents, you know, are just probably so um, appreciative that you guys are, you know, you're not doing the work for them, but you're definitely a support system and you're helping them, help, you know, with, with some of these conversations that, you know, may not have ever been had or may not be had in an appropriate way um, to right. prepare them to be successful young men, women and men. So I think that's really great. Well, kids need that platform, right? Our high school kids specifically and our middle school kids, that's when they're really starting to, to ask questions and they're curious. Um, and so we, we provide the platform for them to have a very safe space to have whatever kind of conversation they may need to have um, or want to have. And then we also do parent coaching. So okay. we, we do provide opportunities for parents to come in and we'll, we do classes on how to speak to your teenagers or how do you talk to your kids about whether it's sex or drugs or even, um, you know, cultural issues that are going on today and the, the challenges that our kids are facing. How do they, how do we make them feel okay with wearing a mask? How do we, you know, how do you talk to your children in a positive way with everything that's going on with our schools and not knowing their next steps? And, yeah. um, you know, so we, we have a really great opportunity as an organization to, to kind of play that mediator in making sure that our kids remain mentally strong and healthy hmm. um, in an environment sometimes that, isn't really supporting that itself. You know, uh, one thing that uh, it stuck, it stuck in my head when you were a part of that panel, um, what, maybe six weeks ago, um, uh -huh. <clears throat> you said something, you said that, you know, organizations like yourself really fill in that gap 
you know, especially right now with the need um, with parents not being able to work or having accessibility to healthy foods, you know, having to struggle between paying bills and feeding family. And so, like, the fact that, you know, you guys have really done a great job in filling in those gaps but still finding ways to, to help, to consider the kids, you know, consider mm -hmm. the kids' well-being, what they're facing, how, I mean, how do they view these, the things that they hear, they see, and, you know, their children, so they can't interpret it like we can as adults, but they... Right. They get the brunt of it because they only get, you know, our perspective or our energy or they're, they're not in the know. So they don't know how to even just take the first step. And mm -hmm. so like you guys in regards to the Boys and Girls Club, I know that you had the program or still have the program called Club on the Go. Mm -hmm. um, are you guys still, is that still something that you guys are still doing? Um, and some, what are some other programs that you guys have? I mean, I want to hear about the well-being part too. What are some other things that you guys have found to kind of fill in those holes during this particular uh, pandemic and uh, social, I'm sorry, not social, racial unrest? Yeah, so, you know, we Club on the Go has been, oh gosh, that, that you want to talk about really meeting the needs and, and addressing mm -hmm. a lot of the issues and challenges that our parents are facing with our kids. Um, to date, we have, gosh, I'm going to give you the wrong number, and I know this, so don't fact check me. I know that it's it's over 230,000 meals and snacks that we've given out in the past 16 weeks. Uh, so it's something like 30,000 bags that we've given away as of last Thursday. Um, and the only thing that's in those bags, they're, they're you know, they're meals and there's milks and there's uh, snacks. Um, and then there's also activities and the activities are linked to uh, YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. So on our YouTube channel right now, our Boys and Girls Club YouTube channel, there's well over 800 videos that tie back to different kinds of DIY activities. Um, right. And so the cool part about that is our parents are, are doing those things with their kids and then they're videoing them or they're sending us pictures, they're putting them on Facebook. So they're sharing that it's actually making a difference and they're actually engaging with their kids, which is really a lot of, that's really what that was about. Yes. Um, you know, we're doing Zoom classes. We have over a hundred kids logged into our Zoom classroom for the summer uh, for one of our TEA sites. And they were doing, I was watching one of the videos and they were learning about um, gases and chemistry and the kids were raising their hands. And so it, it's a different world, certainly not how you and I grew up or went to school, but their kids are adapting. Um, and I think they're adapting probably better than most adults. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, it, it is what it is and they are, they're learning. And now in our club, uh, we do require masks right now for everybody until things kind of calm back down again. Mm -hmm. um, and so the kids are adapting to that, which the staff have always worn the masks, but it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a different world. And the more positive we are in talking to our kids about these changes, the better they adapt um, because they feed off of what we do. And as I, I said earlier to um, we were I was talking to staff and I said, you know, we, we have an opportunity here. We can either uh, make the kids respond in a really negative way, mm -hmm. or we have a chance to, to help them adapt in a better way and have a better school year and have a better summer. Um, so we're, we're pretty integral in how we, our kids are watching at the bottom yeah. the end of the day, the kids are watching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that you're, the more you're talking about that and, you know, how you have the, the kids are coming, you know, are coming in and you're, you're, you're educating them on like the face, west, face mask, face mask wearing. Mm -hmm. um, I can only imagine if I were to, you know, go back 30 years or whatever when I'm, you know, 10 or so. And I'm thinking about if I was forced to wear a face mask, I would correlate that to fear. You know, mm -hmm. I don't understand what 
disease may mean at that level. And, you know, obviously what you're seeing on television, you're hearing a conversation from your parents. I, you know, again, how, you know, helping kids to, you know, not, you don't want to normalize it, but you want to inform mm-hmm. them to where they understand it's important, but they, you know, right. understand it's a safety precaution, but it's that fear component is not going to be what drives them to where it, mm-hmm. you know, how have you guys kind of worked with that in, within your facility and working with the kids and the parents? Well, and that was, so we had a, gosh, I mean, I'll go back three, four weeks ago. Um, and this was before we made it mandatory in the club and, you know, gosh, the feelings and emotions on this are all over the place. We had a young lady come in and she's seven and she had on, you know, her mother had her in her mask and her gloves and Mm. she came in and she was just completely distraught. She didn't want to be there. She was in tears. Mm. Um, you know, and so at that time we just said, you know, we, the club director went over to her and said, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to wear the mask. She's only seven. Um, and as soon as she took it all off, she just brightened up. Yeah, and she was so excited and she ran off to her classroom. The difference there is that not everybody had to do it. So today, you know, when kids come in, they all have on the mask. And I always tell everybody, there's only one label anybody wears in our Boys and Girls Club, and that's Club Kid. So it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are. It, It doesn't matter if you have a mask on or not. You're all Club Kids. And that's, that's really what we have learned to just instill in all of our kids is that you're all on the same page. We all have to get through this together. Mm-hmm. And today, this is how we're going to do it. And uh, the kids have really adapted to it much, like I said, much better than I think most adults. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting because you're, you're just re, you're keeping the community there, community mm-hmm. language there. And they're yeah. a part of it and we're all in, in this together. So I think that's a great way to handle that because I'm sure a lot of people would not really know which way to kind of have the conversation or handle it you know well we've had to educate parents you know that this is just it's a temporary it's not forever this is not our new norm um you know we lost kids on the first day that we put in the mask order um Mm. and they're starting to come back but on day one it was just they didn't want to be part of it and so after a little education and some coaxing and some phone calls um because we want the kids in the club because they're safest in in the club frankly yeah yeah um no that's just good information to know you guys have resources that parents you know that's not even in the austin area can just kind of find out where you know where that language could be or you know how could they kind of have that that conversation with with their kids we do. So one of our, um, and what we add this to our club on the go bags too. So we do, uh, we have a, a mental health, um, component. So we did character and leadership is one of our bag topics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with that was, and I think we put it in there almost every bag now, but it's a resource list for, um, well, pretty much anything you could imagine that a parent would need as a resource to help support their children. So phone, phone numbers and, email, um, and websites and things like that. So, Uh, We do the best that we can to make sure that our our families have the at least knowledge of where those resources are Mm -hmm. located if they need them. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they're that that it it is out there, um, and they can reach out to it and get information that they need. We had Mm -hmm. a. I actually had a uh, one of my panels was specifically on children well being, and I had a psychologist that specialized in children's trauma. Mm-hmm. Along with a couple other um, uh, counselors, and they talked about, you know, as parents, you know, creating a safe space and safe time where kids yeah. they can kids feel comfortable in talking about their feelings. Because if we we only kind of like project our feelings on them, 
they're not understanding, you know, they're going to live in fear and they're not going to say anything. And then we take, I think we take kids for granted a lot of times as parents. Um, we do. That they don't have yeah. feelings or their feelings are, you know, not as substantial as our feelings. But, you know, if you're built, turn, if a child is grow, growing up to be a young person, to be a young adult, to be an adult, you know, every part of that, you know, they're growing, they're eight, as they're growing, you know, allowing them to have a voice, you know, hearing them out, having conversations that's hovering around how they feel. I think mm -hmm. it's important, especially right now. And I think considering right now when we don't have the ability to travel and go places you know, that we usually do, this is the perfect time to, yeah. to connect with your children and, and let them see, you know, have emotions, to, have emotions together, mm -hmm. um, just to create a space where you guys are on the same page. And I think yeah. that's important. I'm glad you guys are incorporating that as one of the, the main uh, pillars of uh, what Boys and the Girls stand for, especially right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think some of the best advice that, that I got as a parent, um, but also as a youth development professional, was anytime a, a, a youth wants to start talking to you or they start opening up about anything that they, they feel or, or the things that they're thinking about, the only thing as an adult that you really should say to them is, tell me more. Hmm. Open it up. Allow them the freedom to continue to talk. Because as soon as we start giving them our opinions, and projecting our feelings on them, their opinions start to change. They start to sound more like us and it's not a genuine conversation anymore. And so offering that very free platform for a young person to simply tell you more, no matter what the topic is. And sometimes I've gotten myself into some deep conversations with my own teenager that um, I probably didn't want to get into at that time, but he told me more and I learned a lot from him. I think that's great. I mean, that, that's the, the words are so simple. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. That's it. Allow yeah. them to, you know, be the, be the, be the one with the voice. And you never know what you learn. I think you learn. well, I know you learn more about your child. Cause again, we just think we know our kids. You mean, you've heard so many parents that they think they know their kids, but they really yeah. don't know their kids. And the reason why they don't know the kids is perhaps not having those conversations and just listening to them. Yeah. And they're incredibly smart. They, yeah. they really are. I don't think we give kids enough credit. They're incredibly smart people. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I learned a lot from my son as well. He knows mm -hmm. more than I knew at my age by so, you know, obviously because technology is more accessibility to, to yeah. learn, but they're, they pick up and they know more than what you think they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, for sure. Well, so your other component of, and you mentioned early, is the healthy lifestyle. And so for huh? me, obviously that's the apple of my eye, no pun intended. Um, why, you know, why do you feel with, this is something that's needed within your facility? Because again, um, a lot of children, uh, children-centered uh -huh. organizations, they, they make meals, so they make snacks, and not necessarily healthier. They may not really incorporate the importance of bringing in, you know, the healthy fruits and vegetables and ideas uh -huh. and recipes. Why do you guys feel that's such an important part of your organization? Well, I think that that's, and you and, you and I have kind of talked about um, the challenges that a lot of our kids face that live in the same neighborhoods, and they may not leave the five mile radius that they're living within. So they may not have a grocery store. They may not have um, a Whole Foods or a place where they can get fresh produce. And so it's really important that we teach our kids the importance of being able to shop within the areas that they have, that they are living in mm -hmm. and do it in a nutritional way. And so we teach classes like, how do you, um, how do you eat nutritionally on, on a shoestring? How do you shop on a shoestring? How can you take the, 
whatever it might be in your neighborhood. So we may actually go into the neighborhoods where our kids live because that's where our clubs are and shop from whatever is available in that area okay. and then bring it back to the club and show them how to make a snack, how to make a meal out of whatever they can purchase from the local local venues, whatever they might be. Um, you know, and so just making sure that we're, we're teaching our kids healthy habits and that, you know, that's what leads to healthy lifestyles. That's what leads to less diabetes and less obesity and keeping our kids active and, you know, modeling that behavior for our, our children is important because again, we're just like everything else in life, they're watching. So making sure that we're showing them how to do that and truly teaching them how to fish, so to speak, rather than just giving them a healthy smoothie they're actually putting the strawberries in it and making their own smoothie and learning how to do that they're and taking it back it. to their own home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've done some work in, in in more community center areas with youth and I, you know, come in and I would do education and I would say, let's make a healthy snack. And so we would make, you know, like, for example, we made a toast with cream cheese and we put fresh fruit on it, like a tart. Mm -hmm. The children there, they were about age 13 through 15. So they, at that age, you would think, you know, they know, they should know a lot of things. They never yeah. saw, they have never seen a blueberry in person yeah. or a blackberry or a raspberry. And yeah. I just have to pause for a moment because I, I, when you don't, when you're not in, when, if you're so detached from the, uh, the way other people, people live, it just, mm -hmm. it just throws you just how much of, how much exposure they don't have to certain things that you, it, to you is second nature. So I think yeah. it's important that you guys, like you're saying, go to their place the places where they shop within their proximity bring in as many fruits and vegetables or healthy ingredients expose them to it mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you know empower them by they are the one making this meal they can yeah. make these healthy foods and guess what they like the way they it tastes because it's their work yeah. i think well it's we so have important. gardens at most of our clubs too so most uh, of our clubs the kids can go out and they can pick their own vegetables um so you know they may do uh Gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've had Caprese brought to my office because they're, you know, they have the tomatoes and they have the, it's just, and I don't eat Caprese. I don't even know if that's how you say it. I don't, I'm not a big vegetable person, but when the kids bring it to you, you eat it. Yes, true. You know, and you pretend like you like it. <laughs> so That is so true. And uh, um, do you, uh, where you're at is, are some of the um, schools in like more urban areas where there are less um, accessibility to like major grocery stores or even like farmland, like where, what, what areas that are, are they at where they're, they wouldn't even know, you know, if without the garden, they wouldn't even know, you know, how, you know, where, where fruits and vegetables come from. Do you guys have those particular areas? We have, well, some of our clubs are rural, but most of them have in, in some ways, there may be a grocery store somewhere within the vicinity that they can, they can go get their produce. Uh, the challenge is if it's not something that the kids are, are raised eating, or if that's not the the habit in the home, it's not something that our kids are used to. Um, and what we have learned is the vast majority of our kids, and, and some people are just amazed by this, but literally don't leave a five stretch of 10 mile radius of their home. Um, you know, which is why it's so critical that we not only expose them to nutritional opportunities or any other kind of opportunity that they wouldn't have, but even educational opportunities, you know, going on a college tour, taking them to a trade school or showing them a, that there's other opportunities beyond their very small radius that they may travel within. Um, yeah, that's our, where we get to fill that opportunity for them. So what's, so with, in respect to your, um, in Austin area, 
Mm -hmm. uh, is there autonomy within each club or you or is there like a common like mission that you guys all have to uphold within the organization? No, well, yes and no. So there is one mission for the organization, which is to enable all young people to reach their full potential as productive, responsible, caring citizens, um, especially those who need us most. Let that, let that part out. Um, and then, but the, the autonomy within the communities and the neighborhoods in our clubs comes through, like I said, those interest surveys that the kids do. And okay. so every club does a community survey. So okay. we talk to the teachers, the parents, the, um, the kids, everybody within that, that area, that's who we talk to. And we get a better idea of what their needs are based on the opportunities surrounding the club or the school or wherever we're located. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, that way you're 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 catering to that your particular population, mm -hmm. your particular community. Yeah, if someone wanted to uh, find a way to be a part of Boys and the Girls Club, whether it's volunteer work or I mean, how can someone um, be you know put their hands in and be a part of it? Um, so really, myself specifically, <laughs> yeah. So for us locally, it's real easy. You go to bgcaustin.org. Uh, but nationally, I mean, there's over 4,000 boys and girls clubs nationally. So pretty much in every single backyard, there is a boys and girls club and they could use your support. Um, so that one is real easy. Also, you just go to bgca.org and then you type in, there's a find a club component. So you can find a club and uh, you just type in your, your city name or zip code and it'll link you with the, the closest boys and girls club in the area. So then you have an opportunity to go to their website, check them out, see if there's things that you wanna do there, reach out to them. Um, and that's for rural communities and major metros. Like I said, there's there's um, over 4,000 clubs across the country. So everybody should be able to plug in somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's good to know again, it's during these times, especially, you know, helping people, it, it may not be on someone's radar, or again, they may yeah. not really understand, you know, all the different service and the value that Boys and, Girl, Boys and Girls Clubs provide. So mm -hmm. just to know that there's so many clubs out there, there there's bound to be one within your, your radius somewhere. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know that that just showed just the amount of work that you guys have really been doing and still doing it for mm -hmm. communities across the U.S. I mean, I think just the numbers itself just shows all the work that you guys are doing. I think that's that's great. Um, yeah, thank you. So, so we're getting ready to close. Like, you know, I told you this 30 minutes was going to go too fast. I want to know, you know, what, you know, when it comes to the work that you do, let's say you, you know, what is it, you know, besides the, the wake, what wakes you up in the morning, what is this makes your heart sing about, you know, playing this intricate role and being able to, bring value to others' lives in so many, in so many ways? You know, that I think everybody has a story and I think it's the story that everybody tells that of, of who they, that makes them who they are. And I, I was one of those kids, so I get it. My mom died when I was 12. I was raised by my dad and my brother. Um, I lived in a very small community. We didn't have a boys and girls club. Literally our village raised me. Um, I couldn't do anything without getting in trouble on one side of town before I got to the other side. And, uh, you know, then I went to, to high school in Dallas. I moved from a really small town in West Texas to a high school in Dallas. And I just had a really good string of luck finding mentors. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where a long time ago, someone believed in me and allowed me a lot of opportunities. It was my SRO officer at the school that actually sent my basketball tape to a coach at a small college in Alabama. Um, because he knew I wouldn't get to go to college any other way than if I had a basketball scholarship. 
And so we sent that to them and I, you know, it's, I took advantage of a lot of opportunities that were just, I don't know if it was grace of God or stroke of luck, but either way, somehow I had a chance to, to make something um, of myself over time. And when I started with the Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, again, I, I found a passion and learned how to just bleed blue, so to speak, and met some phenomenal mentors again, who uh, I, I literally, I tell people all the time, I stand on the shoulder of giants. And that's in my personal and professional life of people who believed in reaching behind and pulling me forward with them. Um, and that was, you know, the, the really, the really cool thing about that is, is, you know, there was, there was no socioeconomic or racial or, um, you know, ethnicity or anything tied to any one particular person. It was just literally the, the common love and heart of everybody I had a chance to come in contact with. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't matter. And they made sure that I, I learned from them and they took me under their wing. And so the more that that happened to me, um, and I was able to set goals 20 years ago and the more people that helped me, uh, just made me realize it's my responsibility to make sure I can do that for others. And so I don't work in the clubs. I don't work with the kids directly. I'm not on the front line, uh, but I get the opportunity every single day to make sure that those that do have all of the tools and skills and whatever they need necessary through training or through um, tangible supplies that they can impact the lives of kids. And uh, to me, that's what's important. It's, it's what are you doing to change the landscape of tomorrow? You know, and at the end of every day, if I can walk out of my office and genuinely say, I did something that made a difference in the life of a child today, then I've met my core mission. And that's what I've gotten to do for 23 years. So it's, it is just, it is critical to me to make sure that I'm walking the walk. Yeah. Wow. That, that just, that just puts flutters in my, in my heart because it's to hear, to hear someone, you know, say just how it's their job to, you know, pay it forward. It's their job to give to others. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you're not just saying, like I say, you're walking the walk. So, so grateful to have you, you know, give us the background of Boys and Girls Club, put your story in, inside of it and just bring it together full, full circle to, you know, mm -hmm. why you do what you do. It's great, great, great. As we're getting mm -hmm. ready to close, um, get, let's, people know, you know, that may not be familiar with, you know, the Boys and the Girls Club or even your location, like how can they reach, reach out and get any questions, any resources that you guys have, even learn about some of the, um, um, some of the, the things that you guys have been doing recently in response to the COVID-19, like let us, what, how can people find out more about what you guys are doing? Yeah, well, so first, thank you again for letting me be part of your show. Of I think you've done a phenomenal job and you're always so positive and I've enjoyed really getting to, to know you and watching your podcast over the past several weeks since I've been introduced to you. Thank you. Um, again, really easy to get in touch with us, really easy to get involved. Just go to our website at bgcaustin.org. Um, you can give us a call. We have volunteer coordinators. We have here locally, like I said, 32 sites. Um, but because you are, you're so widespread, I really encourage everybody and, and challenge everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, get involved in a Boys and Girls Club somewhere in your community and go to bgca.org for that and, uh, and connect. That's what's important. You can connect with a child and you never know what impact you're going to have in their life uh, by simply taking an interest in theirs. Great. 
um, this lady is real. <laughs> Just to give you ever, if you ever reach out to her in a, on an email or something, her tag at the very end of it's called poor kids. <laughs> so she is, she lives, breathes and eat what she says. And I, I just think that's so valuable. Um, and just to just know like all the work that's being done right now. Um, Missy, again, thank you for being a part of the podcast. I mm-hmm. hope that we can continue to have our connections past this. We have a lot yes. of things in common. Um, great to have you. And uh, I guess we'll chat next time. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Um, guys, again, this is Missy. Uh, if you don't know anything about Boys and Girls Club, and if you actually don't know how to just verbalize it to others, Feel feel free to share this particular podcast because this this organization has done a lot for the kids and they're continuing to pivot and make more moves um, within the uh, community. So find them, look them up, learn about them, connect with them, and be a part of their mission. Uh, again, this is Rashonda Thornton, a dietitian against diets. Have a great time and see you guys next time. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Misty. It is such a pleasure to hear other people have such strong passion and skill sets that are doing great for the good and they're doing it in their own special way. As we're getting ready to close, I want to recognize one of my podcast partners, um, Midwest Dairy Council. Um, They have a campaign called Undeniably Dairy. When I seen that term, when I seen that that name, I was like, what does Undeniably Dairy, what does that come from? So guess what? I looked it up. Undeniably Dairy means that something that cannot be denied or disputed. And that is what Midwest Dairy has established with introducing their Undeniably Dairy campaign. With any dairy product, whether you scoop it, shred it, or pour it, any of their dairy products is undeniably good and good for you. Go to their website and learn about how dairy farmers are committed to fostering a healthy planet by utilizing recycling practices so they can better use the water and energy energy in the most best way uh, for their daily management in their farms. Go to their sustainability page and learn more about the work being done for their cows, for you, and for our planet.